Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker, joined with Santiago Beltran. It's not a fallout show. It's not a regular Flyover Footy. It's a special edition of the pod. Why? Well, it's in the title. We have a Y in front of our name. We're celebrating the fact that St. Louis City has clinched the regular season MLS Western Conference first place title championship, however you want to put it. It's an exciting time for City, the first expansion team in the non-shootout era to, to do this. Uh, we've qualified for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, and we still have a match this weekend to preview. So we had planned on doing this pod regardless of what happened this weekend, but thanks to the Sunday night Real Salt Lake one nothing win over LAFC, it is now a mathematical certainty that St. Louis City will be first place in the Western Conference in their first season in MLS. How about that, Santi? That's amazing. I don't think anybody outside uh, of the team uh, imagined being in this position with two weeks to go before the end of the regular season. What I want to ask you, um, is it really a championship? I like, is it, do, do you consider it like a conference championship or what do you think think of it man that's that's the discussion today we're recording this monday afternoon and that is the discussion right some people some mls fans of other clubs are getting really touchy if you call us <laughs> regular season western conference champions as if that that phrase didn't exist in in general before this like there's apparently uh, the way that some sounders and rsl fans are talking specifically on some of these comments on x and twitter and facebook is that regular season there's no, you can't be a champion of anything in regular season. Despite the fact that there's a Western Conference table, despite the fact that there is a first, second, third in the Western Conference, you can't be a champion because there's no trophy associated to it. Right. Well, obviously, we're not going to hang a banner like the Nashville Predators did in the NHL, but I think people are getting a little too touchy here. There's a little sensitivity and insecurity going on by some of these other fan bases seeing what St. Louis City has been able to do. And I, I won't lie, Santi, part of it, makes me giggle a little bit i'm kind of i'm here for it i'm here for the 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 slander of city saying you can't call yourselves champions you can't call yourselves title winners of anything you didn't win anything because you don't have a cup or a trophy to show for it but there, there's a lot of i don't know a lot of consternation from these fan bases yeah but it's still a, it's still a great achievement but uh, but yeah i i a few friends uh who are not used to mls and more uh, soccer in latin america or like how is this a championship? Like, mm -hmm. And to me, it's not, not a championship, but uh, it's like mm -hmm. still like you get first place, you get home advantage. Yeah, it's not a trophy, but it's still something. Well, in that regard, I mean, so I thought of this too. What if, I'm just what if real quick, MLS decides next, next year to say, yeah, we want to increase the prestige of the regular season for the other conference. We're going to give you a trophy. We're going to say, okay, the winner of the overall table in the entire league gets the supporter shield as it should mm -hmm. be. And as it always has been, but the other conference winner, you're still a first place team. We're suddenly going to give you mm -hmm. a, a small trophy to say, here you go. Good job. Would it then be a championship? Is it the fact that there is hardware silverware associated to it? Or is it the, the concept of in history, soccer typically has one table and you have one regular season champion. You have one, in America, you have one playoff champion. And so whatever we're doing is kind of pigeonholing the best of both worlds. But I guess, I guess I'm also wondering at that point, people always say the regular season doesn't matter. And yeah. they always say it's just a fight to get into the playoffs. Well, that that's also because of the prestige you put on the playoffs where you're saying the Eastern conference, Western conference champions in the playoffs are crowned. 
overall conference champions. They get their trophies. But the seasons aren't done. All it is is basically second, third place prizes or second prize for getting to the cup. You still have an MLS cup. So I don't know. Part of me is just, and part of me just wants something also to show for it. But I'm happy we're here. And I think it's an interesting conversation of, is it just the sheer fact that a cup or a trophy hasn't been created for this position yet, despite the fact that it is first in the standings, it wins the regular season for your conference. And it really goes to show the full scope of what you've been able to accomplish in 32 games so far. Clinching, uh, clinching first place in your conference 32 games in is an accomplishment. It satisfies the issue that people have of it's a long and arduous season and you you need to be recognized for that long process more so than just qualification for a playoffs. There's a lot of people who are talking out of both sides of their mouth from my perspective in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think what's, what's confusing, uh, especially for some of the people that have asked me that are not familiar with MLS and playoffs, they're like, this is their first year following the league. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, but what about the playoffs? There is a... Mm-hmm. Western Conference champion. So how are you champion now? Like, it's just, uh, yeah, a little bit of confusion. But but to me, it's still a great accomplishment. Um, regular season, first place, and and getting basically ready for the playoffs with that home field advantage. That's a great accomplishment. It is. And it shouldn't be diminished on any level because 32 games, the only team to qualify for the playoffs in the conference, the only team to clinch the first place in the entire conference when nobody else has qualified for the playoffs, the, the the congestion that has been discussed in the Western Conference with the conference, and it's, this is the other thing, since St. Louis is on top, people are very quick to say, oh, this is a weak conference this year, as if the fact that an expansion side St. Louis City team being first in the Western Conference standings immediately means everybody is weaker. I think it's everybody else is beating up on each other a lot more than in the East, where you have a clear hierarchy of, it's obvious that you're looking at your FC Cincinnati, your New England Revolution, Orlando, Philadelphia, Nashville, those teams, and then you have your bottom dwellers too. Yeah. In the West, in the West, it's literally anybody could win except for City, who has already won it. Two through ten, I think it's just eight points separate, or or six points. Some crazy low number separates two eight. through ten. Eight. eight. So you could look at at literally anything could happen at this point. There is any single mathematical scenario where LAFC can drop out of the playoffs, where Seattle can drop out of the playoffs and their, their fans are having to reconcile with that reality while we're over here putting Y's in front of our names. Yeah. So obviously team number 10 is a little bit separated from number nine. So if you, if you just look at two to nine, it's only five points. And And which team is number 10? Kansas. There you go. Had to get that out there. <laughs> uh, which, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, as you said, everybody is, is beating each other. Uh, even in, when you think about City's uh, season, um, like, yeah, some of these teams, CC, uh, City beat on both games. But uh, if you think about it, City couldn't uh, get three points against LAFC or against LA Galaxy, split the series with Portland Timbers, with um, Minnesota, got the six points from Austin, split the series with Dallas. Mm-hmm. So so you can see that that is like a, any week, uh, anybody anybody can win. And, and that's why nobody has clinched yet. But uh, the one thing uh, 
I'm thinking about, uh, I go back to uh, when we look at this before the second half of the season started. And um, I think we settled around 43, 44 points for, uh, for number nine. And yeah. uh, City got to 44 points after beating Austin. If City had not won any games after that, not, not gotten any points, it would still be in fifth place. About that, I think we did pretty well in our predictions, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. I think it's gonna be since everybody's like uh, beating each other and uh, at some draws, like taking points from each other. Number nine, it will probably be closer to forty-three, forty-two. I think it'll be on the low end. That's fair. And, and those are what we did in our predictions was looking at historical averages any season can be a little up a little down but we were pretty we were pretty accurate I think too on where city um, would have been in any given scenario and and especially clinching the playoffs and and the the conference title and it happened so quickly right because this weekend it was all of you clinch home field as a top four and then the cards fall the next day and you suddenly have the conference champ- conference title regular season conference win whatever you're gonna call it yeah either way uh we're gonna have more on the celebration more on the discussion about the league-wide conversation on our big flyover episode that we're gonna stream thursday night and that'll be out on pods friday so stay tuned for that but the other big reason that we're here is we do have a match this week and it's kind of a, a funny way to do it because it's just a few days rest we have a wednesday match against vancouver and then an international break is uh occurring but most, most MLS teams are actually in action next weekend where they finish up their uh, the second-to-last games. So St. Louis has the luxury at this point of playing Vancouver on October 4th, and then we have a week and a half off before we welcome the Seattle Sounders for Decision Day. So, Santi, are you ready to preview the Vancouver Whitecaps? Let's do it. All right, so we know St. Louis has clinched the regular season Western Conference Championship. First place in the West, 56 points through 32 games. We have a 17-10-5 record now with 62 goals scored, a plus-22 goal differential. We got first tied for first with Columbus in goals scored, and we are best in the league in goal differential. Our away record is 6-7-3, six, six wins, seven losses, three draws. That's the third-best away record in the Western Conference and the fifth-best in the league. So perspective is important as far as the away record goes. Form is pretty good for St. Louis City. Four and one, four to one win over SKC this past weekend. We beat Minnesota United two to one the weekend prior, and we drew LAFC midweek before two zero and one in the last three. Vancouver comes into this sixth place in the West. They are a part of that congested two through nine, two through ten that is all fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, sixth place in the West on forty three points. They have thirty one games played, an eleven ten and ten record with fifty one goals scored, forty seven goals against, and that's a plus four goal differential. At home at BC Place up in Vancouver, they are 7-3-5. and five. Vancouver's formed the last few games. They drew DC United this past weekend 2-2. Two to two. They drew the Colorado Rapids 2-2 two two midweek prior, and they lost 2-1 to one to RSL the weekend before. Vancouver is one of these teams where if you look at their schedule, it's very much different than, I think, any other MLS side. There are some, there are some times throughout the year where you have a couple matches in a row. You might not go home. St. Louis had one earlier this year where we went to Toronto and then flew directly to L.A. But Vancouver has had a stretch prior to this past weekend of seven straight away games from August 26th 
until this past weekend when they returned home to play DC United. Before that, their before their home game this past Saturday, they've only had one game, one home game immediately following League's Cup. That's dating back to July 15th even. So this team has not played very many matches at home. They've had a lot of road games lately. Overall in this season, they've had five clean sheets, and they've had four times they've been shut out. So their record really does speak for how their overall season has been. It's been up and down. It's been difficult to find consistency. And the departure of Julian Gressel is a big reason for that. As we dig into the key players here in just a moment, Julian Gressel is going to be one that is not listed. He was traded to Columbus during the transfer window, and he leaves behind three goals, five assists, and 30 key passes that he had contributed to Vancouver before being traded away. Santi, what's your take on this Vancouver Whitecaps team, their form recently, their difficult travel schedule? Yeah, obviously coming into this game, not in great form, uh, trying to get a couple of points that will put them... um, in the playoffs, um, clinch it, even if they don't clinch mathematically. If they win against City, I think they will be very close. But yeah, just the the inconsistency of, of their schedule, I think, is taking a toll and um, playing so many games away. Although they had relative relative success uh, in this last um, stretch before uh, they went back home and, and played... Um, DC United, um, before losing to Houston and then RSL, they um, they had a tie at New York City FC. Uh, well, I guess this one was against Toronto, so it was in Canada, but it still counts. Uh, but yeah, the last, um, even if you go four games, the last four games, they are winless. They lost to um, Houston Dynamo 4-1. to one. So, so yeah, trying to find three points again and secure their place in playoffs. But yeah, even uh, even though Gressel left um, about nine, ten games ago, he's mm-hmm. still up there uh, in the really? in the um, stats uh, for goals and for um, assists. So, so yeah, it's been hard to, to replace him. But um, something I got from the press conference um, from our uh, friend Har, um, she was talking about uh, what Brian Gold and Brian White had been doing. And yeah, basically they they keep scoring and uh, assisting. So uh, they have uh, tried to fill in for that absence of Julian Gressel. And you mentioned the form in the wins and losses over the past few games, especially with their seven-game away stretch. The only two teams that they've beaten um, before they since Portland, basically, so from Chicago on uh, towards just before September, are teams outside the playoff picture. So they beat Portland, and that was probably their I don't know I would say hallmark win. But Portland's a seventh place team right now. Their wins since then are against Chicago Fire and Toronto FC, both of who are outside looking in on the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Toronto's a historically bad team this year, and they're beating these by one goal. So these, and they're tying the teams that are in contention. They're losing to quality teams like Houston and Salt Lake. I don't know. It, it seems like the the run of form is right where City wants to catch them. Add on to that fact that Vancouver is one of those teams that plays next weekend. They're in the middle of a three games and eight three games and eight days stretch. They had DC United last weekend. They have us Wednesday. Then they have to travel again just across the border to Seattle to play the Sounders. That's no easy task. They finished the season against LAFC. So this team is really going to struggle to find wins against quality opponents. 
who are themselves fighting for playoff positioning. You're looking at an LAFC team that is now fourth in the conference. They're potentially about to lose their home field in the first round advantage. Seattle is needing to hold on to that next weekend. And so you're looking at a lot of teams with a lot on the line. And that's one of the big stories that we're really going to get into is St. Louis, what are they fighting for compared to what Vancouver's fighting for? But before we get into the big stories, Santi, I want to pick up on Gold and Brian White. So the key players that we need to watch for for Vancouver, there aren't that many when it comes to contributions to the goal, contributions to creating opportunities, but it really goes to Ryan Gold, um, Andre Kubas, Brian White, and we mentioned the impact that Julian Gressel had, but he's gone. And that is that is going to be felt on their wing because the, when we talk about the styles of play, think of what Julian Gressel could have brought to that team. But for those who were remaining, goal-scoring leaders are Brian White with 14, Ryan Gold with 11. The next highest goal scorer on their team is Simon Betcher, the SLU alum with four goals. These these two players, and, and Har mentioned it on the press conference on Monday, that they call them Batman and Robin up in Vancouver <laughs> because they're the ones doing all the work. They're cleaning everything up, gold and white. Andres Kubas, their central defensive midfielder, leads the team in tackles and interceptions, and he's a designated player. Yeah, so look for number 20, the Argentinian midfielder, to, to impact some of our, our buildups and our runs of play. When you look at who's going to hurt us on the offensive side, it's Ryan Gold and it's Brian White. Yeah, yeah, just um, they keep scoring and assisting each other and have most of the goals contributions for for Vancouver. But yeah, when I was looking at the at the leading scorers, I was like, oh, Simon Betcher is up there. But I didn't go back and look, but those goals, uh, he, at least two or three, I remember, yes. were from earlier in the season. He had a flurry of goals at the beginning of the season. It, but to that point, it would not surprise me to see a guy like Simon Betcher at, at feature at some point. You know, that's the thing with where Vancouver is right now is – one of the big stories is their hunger to remain a playoff team. And they're in a very difficult situation to do that. We've talked so many times about City's rotation when it comes to midweek matches, when it comes to three matches in eight days. But because of when we've been able to win games, and you mentioned it earlier, and City put out uh, a nice graphic of all of their of their wins leading up to uh, setting the expansion team record in the non-shootout era. And all of those teams have been playoff teams at one point or another, or we've beaten the teams we need to at the bottom of the table. I think there's only a, a couple of matches I can think of, Chicago being the one that jumps out at me, <laughs> yeah. that we lost to that has been a significant, a consistent non-playoff contender. Barring that, like we've, we've beaten the teams we need to, and that's why we're in the position we're in. But Vancouver, you're, they're looking at a scenario where they could drop out of the playoff picture with a loss to us immediately, and then they're playing Seattle and LAFC next. They can't afford to do significant rotation because they need their two best players. They need all three of the players we just mentioned on the field as much as possible. Gold was even uh, an injury concern going into this past weekend, but he was able to go and go effectively with a PK goal. They, they're, they're dealing with a lot of desperation, I think. And facing a team like Vancouver, from City's perspective, offers opportunity. And so we know Vancouver is hungry to remain this playoff team. They have to deal with the fixture congestion. They have to deal with the fact that they do funnel their entire offense through two players. But what do you think City's going to look like this week, knowing all of the things that are going into uh, on the field and off their trip to Vancouver? Well, it's a midweek game, but the advantage is that, that there isn't a, a game next weekend. So... I think they will. There will be some rotation. 
um, some players that haven't started or played a lot of minutes recently uh, will probably play. But at the same time, I think um, City has in their mind, okay, I, I clinch first place, but I still want to get that record uh, of most points by an expansion team, and I have two opportunities to do it. I have one on Wednesday, and um, then I have a long break, so why not try to go at it on Wednesday with a competitive lineup? So that's the thing, Santi, is midweek matchup on a turf field those are those are a couple of the big things that that we knew coming into this and so we asked Bradley Carnell we had the opportunity to talk to him at the press conference on Monday and regarding the turf his com- his comments were very um high level and it was it was simply from an injury perspective that it's likely Joachim Nilsson won't go would not be surprised to not see him on the game day roster at all um but beyond that, his only comments were everybody should be available. Even Josh Yarrow, who was at practice, practicing with the team that we saw. But his his comments to him after Josh Yarrow picked up a, uh, a back issue after mm-hmm. the Minnesota game, it seemed like he's he's good to go, he's back. But that doesn't really help us out when it comes to the game plan or the the rotation and given the week and a half break that's upcoming. I think everybody's expecting a little bit of rotation at the very least. Whether that means letting your foot up off the gas entirely and going with almost a a rotated 11 in general, or if it means just plugging and playing a few different players and going all out for the 58-point record that Bradley Carnell has mentioned multiple times. If that's one other thing to keep in mind, it's not that, okay, we've qualified for uh, home field advantage throughout the Western Conference. We, we are in the driver's seat. We are ready to go. We just need to go into the playoffs healthy and inform. And so we can turn over our roster. Bradley Cornell has mentioned multiple times that he wants to, and he said this directly in the press conference, he wants a record that is, I mean, I think of Hamilton. He wants a record that's going to outlive him. He wants right. something that's going to stand for more <laughs> than just one season. He doesn't want to tie the LAFC 57 points he wants to just get as much as possible so that when people think of the greatest first season of all time in MLS, they immediately think of St. Louis and there's no other contender. That's the other thing we have to juggle here. In addition to the realities of the match happening just a few days after a, a pivotal sporting Kansas match. And the fact that we do have certainty in the playoffs ahead. So we'll talk about our lineup predictions here in a few minutes, but I'm wondering, um, I'm just wondering how much Bradley Carnell is going to try to pull a San Jose or pull a Minnesota where he knows, he has faith that no matter who he rotates in, they can perform and maybe even pick up a job again, like Akil Watts in the former and Jake Nowinski in the latter. But the one thing I will say, um, I've heard a couple questions and I do want to address the question of, do you think Carnell will play mostly City 2 players? And I would say no. And the reason for that are MLS roster rules. Once you pass a certain point in the year, the, the rosters are locked. You are only allowed one affiliate call up for one game. Now, whether you game? say for one game and whether you say that's Johnny Klein and we already did it. And so he counts for our entire season as our one. I don't know specifically. We could have one player, but I don't think that's really what's in Bradley Carnell's mind. We have, no. a, deep, we have a deep enough city roster that I think you can expect some of the guys like maybe a Nukvi Thorson, uh, Nico Joachini, who didn't start last game, 
John Bell, maybe Josh Yarrow, those kinds of players to see more minutes. Yeah, especially City 2 just played their playoff game yesterday. So yeah. um, the, the guys that you, you could think, okay, they may get added as that one player, um, they played 90 minutes for a good amount of the game yesterday. So I would say no. Yeah, and, and I think most of those questions were as far as showcasing the younger guys, um, not necessarily just giving everybody rest, but like as an opportunity to give them minutes or prove something. But it, it, it's a combination of, yeah, they just play, but also I don't think MLS roster rules don't allow for the upward mm-hmm. movement of players in that manner. Okay, so the last big picture, that we, big story that we have uh, that I want to touch on is Jake Nerwinski in general. He was the player made available at the press conference on Monday. <laughs> this is his first time back in Vancouver. His quote, uh, when asked by his friend Har from Vancouver, is, I think it's going to be a special moment. I spent six seasons. They were my first professional club, the only one I've known up until now, joining City. I owe that club a, a lot and happy to come back. And we've heard, we've heard Jake talk about his friendship with Ryan Gauld, uh, the texting that they did before the last match. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is special for Jake. And so... I would I would like to see him start of, of anybody that we have. I think there's some players who, you know, are going to push for starting because they're just those kinds of players. They never want to be taken off the field. And we know who those players are. But Jake Nerwinski in particular, despite the fact that, yeah, obviously he wants to play all the time uh, like everybody. It's it's personal for him. And so he's one of those players like an AZ Jackson who didn't start against Minnesota uh, and like some of the other players who have played former teams, Indy with Miami, uh, Tim Parker with Houston those kinds of things that provide an opportunity for kind of a storybook type narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Nerwinski, I definitely have him in my lineup. And yeah, I think it'll be great for him uh, to go back after six seasons, um, being able to, to play there. I'm sure he will provide uh, a lot of insight to uh, the coaching staff about, about Vancouver and about uh, white and gold. So, so yeah, let, let him play. And I did love the the question that Har asked at the press conference of <laughs> noting that uh, Ryan Gold and Brian White are, or at least she's starting to refer to them as Batman and Robin, and they're trying to get that going in Vancouver because of their impact. Uh, Har had asked Jake what his superhero name would be after completely sidestepping the question when we when we asked him to follow up on it. He goes, maybe I'll be the supervillain in this one, which I can <laughs> completely appreciate, and that's just Jake's personality. It was really fun to hear him kind of get into that. And you could tell he's... He's enjoying this, right? It's it's his homecoming, so to speak, with where he developed as a professional. And it's it's a nice opportunity that St. Louis gets to go up there. And the focus gets to be on that for a little bit, maybe with a little less pressure than it otherwise would have been, knowing that we've clinched what we have so far. So the, the hunger's there, the drive's there, but you have to believe that this is going to be an exciting week for Jake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he started to play in more games and... Um, has been doing great, so he he picked he picked it up at the right time just before playing Vancouver. So so yeah, hopefully he will start. All right, let's get in some styles of play, formations, how they might line up. Earlier in the season, Vancouver leveraged wingbacks, and that was a uh, probably because of Julian Gressel and what his impact to the offense was. They had three center backs. They they used wingbacks. It was kind of the same formation that Jake ran when he was there, uh, where they would leverage him in one of the the uh, corner center back roles. But lately, they've actually ran kind of a 4-4-2, leveraging uh, Gold and White up top. And it's been a little fluid, but seeing four, four defenders and just using Gold and White as their two primary attackers, whether it's um, one in front of the other, both on the side, we're, we're going to see those two 
in the attack, in the attacking third, an awful lot, creating for each other and just being all over the ball. But looking at what Vancouver's strengths are, they are they're good at stealing the ball from the opposition. They don't have the highest pressing rates, but they're very good at intercepting. They're very good at putting pressure on some of the ball carriers. They're good at counterattacks. They're good on attacking set pieces. And they finish their scoring chances. They have a high percentage comparatively in the league of shots, uh, shots on target versus goals. So that's something to watch out for is their effectiveness. What they're not good at are defending through ball attacks, defending against highly skilled individual players, protecting the lead. They often That's why they have all these draws, 10 draws per, uh, so far in the season. They're very weak at defending set pieces. I've got a stat here in a minute for that. Um, their style of play is they like to attack through the middle. They like to go straight up through their attackers. They will attempt crosses very often. So you look at what what they've done recently versus what they've done earlier in the season, and you kind of see a little bit of all over the place. You see them working through the wings, crossing the ball in, working through their midfield as of late, taking a lot of shots. I think that's one thing that we can look forward to with Vancouver is consistently trying to put the ball on net. And if we're going to let them possess the ball, like I know City wants to, then we can expect a lot of low percentage shots. And that's what City does best, is forcing their opponents into mm-hmm. low percentage shots. Bradley Carnell's even said that since they let go of some of their players like Julian Gressel, they really changed their style of play. They've been very fluid, flexible. He says they can change formations. They're very adaptive, very transitional. They're good in the counterpress. They've got players like Rangald who are the best in the league. And Carnell says, quote, it's almost like playing against your brother. They have similar principles. Yeah. You can see it in many moments that they'll work with and without the ball. Yeah, it will be. Uh, and, and if we go back and think about when they came to City Park, Vancouver, even though the final score was 3-1, um, Vancouver earlier in the game um, had a couple of chances to to score. And, and then when City took a two to nothing lead, they they kept pushing and, and and scored a goal. And it wasn't until the stoppage time that that C was able to to score a goal to to put away the game. And you wonder how how the the dying minutes of this kind of a game would go, depending on if the game's tied. Is Vancouver going to be happy with a draw in this game? A home draw, it seems like it would be a, a massive disappointment knowing where you are on the table and who your remaining matches are against. I look for this match to kind of go if if City can stay even with Vancouver, it forces a lot of pressure on the Whitecaps to do something and try to create something, maybe get outside of themselves a little more and, and try to work more of their team in uh, in high against St. Louis, which could leave them vulnerable for counterattacks. That's, a very, that's something I'm very excited to see from St. Louis is how long can they keep a, a draw throughout this game. I would not be upset at all if it went into half, 0-0, 1-1, if it progressed into the 70, 75th minute and we were still at a draw, whatever the goals are. And then I think the the tactical subs that Carnell has been able to show that he can make these past couple of games, the growth that he's shown as a manager in that area, coupled mm. with the desperation that Vancouver has to get three points at home. It's a recipe for success that I think St. Louis can build on. Yeah, so good chance to get three points, probably late, as you, as you were saying. And... Um, break that record and then you go on a break to give the the team some days off and then get ready for decision day and then going into the playoffs a week later that's right got a couple of stats before we get into our lineups and our score predictions 
Looking at what we can expect from Vancouver Whitecaps on the press, um, we know that St. Louis is among the absolute lowest in the league in PPDA, passes per defensive action, showing um, how many passes a team allows the opponent before making a defensive action, like a tackle interception. The lower means the more press you have. So St. Louis is third lowest in the league, right wedged between Atlanta and LAFC with just a 0.1 difference. I mean, we're talking minuscule with these top teams here. But Vancouver's 14th, right next to the Houston Dynamo. They don't press as often. They don't press as high, but they won't let you work the ball in to your to to their attacking third uh, without trying to make a move. It's that kind of an offense. They'll play the ball in the mid quite a bit. Um, St. Louis is also the most direct team in the league, second fewest passes per sequence. I did enjoy against Sporting Kansas where we had one sequence at least where it was 10 plus passes. So that ability for St. Louis to build up and to create with the ball on the ground to one of Vancouver's uh, deficiencies, which is allowing through balls, that's been a, a somewhat of a surprise for St. Louis City lately, and that could be something to watch for. But Vancouver's 12th most in the league in direct play, 10th most in passes per sequence. So they are going to possess the ball a little bit more. They average about 49% possession. St. Louis averages 44. So if we can edge them above 50%, I think that leads us to where we want to go. And it makes Vancouver play a little less direct, um, move the ball around a little bit more than even they're comfortable with. Where I think there's an interesting advantage for St. Louis also is on set pieces. St. Louis leads the league in set piece goals with 15. Vancouver has allowed the most set piece goals this year with 14. There's a very, very interesting opportunity here for Edu Leuven to be the star of the show, Indiana Vasilev to be the star of the show, and to really take advantage of earning fouls in some of those dangerous areas that we know St. Louis is so good at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, St. Louis has in scoring a set piece in a while so uh it's due for for another one of those and yeah with vancouver being that being one of their witness of their weaknesses um i think there is a good possibility for city to um focus on that and maybe um score a goal or two and the other one that um that it's important to me um you were also talking about vancouver being a week uh, with with um with a uh, true balls mm-hmm. and um city being so direct i think that's that's another that, that's going to be another key for this game yep santi you ready to go into the lineups let's do it all right i'll start um and this is a this is a close your eyes and throw a dart (laughs) because the only thing Bradley Carnell has to go off of for us is everybody's available minus probably Nielsen. So with everyone available with it being an away match, being two points off of the number he keeps calling out, knowing we have Seattle at home and that can be targeted for a win as much as you can target either one of these. This might be a game where we're happy to take away a point. Well, who do you roll out in that scenario? Um, I went back and forth on Berkey and Lunt. I, I wouldn't be surprised with Lunt, to be honest. Nobody should be surprised if we see Ben Lunt in net. It would be his last opportunity to intentionally see MLS minutes this year. And I think that is, that's viable. Um, so I'll go with it. I'll say that Ben Lunt gets this start. Um, my back line is going to be Kyle Hebert, Josh Yarrow, John Bell, and Jake Nerwinski. Massively rotated, minus Jake. Still want to see him in for all the reasons we mentioned. Kyle Hebert, I like that Chris Gebhardt in the chat mentioned as a Canadian, that would be um, an interesting opportunity. Also kind of maybe an interesting opportunity to showcase Kyle Hebert, whether it's at left back or center back. Um, 
Canadian teams in MLS are rewarded for signing domestic players. They they are valuable on their roster. And when Heber was in form earlier this year, there was conversations about uh, how long he might be on City. Could he be an opportunity for a trade piece with all of our depth on the back line? That's a topic for another conversation. Let me stay focused. Hebert, Yarrow, Bell, Nerwinski. I've got Akil Watts at the six. I've got Edu Leuven in the midfield because it's Edu Leuven. Carnell even said that he was talking about playing this week right after the previous yeah. game. I, I can't see him out of the lineup. I've got AZ Jackson, Jared Stroud, Klaus, and Nico up top. Um, I wavered so much about AZ and Stroud because I could easily see Nukvi Thorson in there. Um, I don't quite see Rasmus Alm there yet, but I could easily see Indiana Vasilev. Yeah. Yeah, so here's mine. Uh, I also debated between uh, Berkey and Lund. Uh, even before we went live, we were talking about, uh, I was mentioning even Michael Creek, if you want to give him a chance to get a start, this, this could be it. But uh, I'm sticking with, with Berkey. And then uh, backline, uh, basically same as you, Nerwinski, Bell, and Jarrow, and then Kyle Heaver. Midfield, I have... Jabulo Blom, although I don't think he will play the whole game. Uh, we'll probably see Akil Watts at some point. And then I have um, Basilev, Celio, and AC Jackson. And up top, I have Klaus and Nico Joachini. I really like that midfield. I would love to see Celio. I would love to see Indy. I would love to see Celio and Nukvi Thorson. I, I could probably cr- call up about five different variations of a roster and a lineup that I would be pretty satisfied with. Yeah. Uh, Both from, I think they would be competitive and it would be fun to see these players run out. I I like Salio. I like Nuke V Thorson a lot. And I think getting them more, more time out, more of a run of play, whether it's Nico as the sole striker, and then you have Nuke V Thorson on the left, Salio on the right, whoever you want in the middle, like Indy or AZ, like there's so many opportunities, so many options. Um, We got to make sure we have these written down, Santi. Because with so many possibilities discussed, uh, we got to hold ourselves to if we happen to get it right or if yeah. we go 0 for 11 for the first time. All <laughs> 0 for 11. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, we have different keepers, so one of us is going to be wrong there. Mm, did you change it? I changed oh, it. You changed yep. it to Lund. Okay. Yep. Beginning of the show, I definitely had Berkey, but as we're talking, I talked myself into it, and uh, that was my <laughs> All so right. prediction, Santi. Mine is 1-1, although I keep uh, thinking about it. But yeah, I'm going to stick with 1-1 uh, when you mentioned that the game is going to get to like the 70, 70th minute mark uh, tight and uh, maybe Vancouver desperate to score. City can take advantage of that. And uh, just knowing that uh, the style of play City plays um, doesn't isn't really draw friendly tie friendly it could be a possibility but i'm gonna stick with the one one we've had a few draws lately so that's not a bad that's not a bad call out i had two one because i think that whether it goes zero zero at half or one one at half i think it's going to end up tied later in the game and then st louis is going to pull one out let's say 80th minute or later uh because i do think vancouver is going to get a little over anxious and they're going to try a little too much St. Louis is going to be a little more clinical and methodical and uh, measured in this match. Asante, before we go, there was a question in the chat from Chris Gavhart that I do think is a fun way to end the topic. What's more sore, your throat after calling a game or your forearms after waving the Santos flag for as long as you did at the City 2 match? 
Uh, well, since since the game was on Saturday and I already had almost two days to uh, recover, I'm gonna go with um, with my formers after uh, waving the flag. Uh, that was fun yesterday. I, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Hopefully, uh, we get to see you do that a whole lot more next year because that was a blast seeing you get out for City Two and uh, be one of those that led the charge. And it was fun to see at the City Sprint too. You did the same thing, running with the flag. That's always great to see. Yeah, yeah. We we when when that was announced, uh, a few uh, a few people from Santos uh, were talking about it. I was like, yeah, I'm in. All right, Santi. Anything else for you today? No, no. Let's um, let's get um one or three points and if it is three points another another record broken uh, it's it looks like this is happening like every game now so it's crazy uh, so that would be really exciting i cannot believe just how consistently this is happening right like every single game it's almost like a roller coaster race to the finish where you don't have time to catch your breath about one fun thing happening for the expansion team all we know is what's happening right now and it's it's the dream continues we're going to have plenty more on it on Thursday as we recap the Whitecaps and just talk a whole lot more about the MLS landscape, where we are, and some different conversations that are going on that are all centered around St. Louis City SC being first place in the Western Conference in 2023. Mm, that sounds great. Santi, thanks for joining me. Everybody, thanks for joining us on Flyover Footy. Enjoy the Vancouver Whitecaps match. Enjoy celebrating being first place in the MLS Western Conference in 2023. We will talk to you later. Vamos City.